Baby dedication, in case you haven't figured it out. We've got a few babies here. I don't mean any of the adults. Don't take that the wrong way. Here. Go. Good morning, Horizon family. Isn't this amazing? I love seeing new life. I love seeing new believers into the kingdom, and I love seeing new babies born into our family. Our family is growing in every which way. So this is so awesome. This morning, we are going to do our Baby Dedication Sunday. And baby dedication is actually found in scripture. And the part that we're pulling out is from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, where it talks about a godly woman named Hannah, who had been barren for so many years, and the greatest desire of her heart was that she would have a baby. So she prayed and she prayed and she prayed, and the miracle came and she had a son, the child that God had given her, and he answered her prayer and she gave birth to a son named Samuel. And when Samuel was born, Hannah prayed these words over him. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. We also see dedication in the New Testament in Luke chapter 2. Following the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph actually took the infant Jesus to the temple so that they could dedicate him. The writings of Moses found in Deuteronomy in the Message Version describe God's plan for the responsibility of a parent to lead a child towards a vital relationship with Jesus. Because we all know they learn more by watching than just by what you say. So in Deuteronomy it says, love God, your God with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I'm giving you today on your heart. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home, walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning till the time you fall into bed at night, that you're talking about the goodness of God. Dedication is not a sacrament nor does it impart grace or give salvation to a child. Salvation only comes through faith in Jesus Christ as each person recognizes their sinfulness and receives forgiveness and eternal life through the cross. So rather than baptizing infants or children, Horizon Church encourages Christian parents to dedicate their children. This is a moment in which parents formally call on God's blessing for their child and publicly commit to raise them in accordance with scripture in a community of faith. So we're just gonna introduce them. I think they got out of order, but we'll forgive them. I'm gonna ask you to wave your hand when I, at least the parents and maybe hold up the baby. We're gonna put up the, the, them on the screen, all right. So Braden Thomas Wextrom, Shane and Carla, Shane and Sarah. Oh, God. Elias Shadiah Ram, Eric and Ashmeen. Emmett, Grant, Barati, Dave and Andrea here. All right. Josiah, Norman, Charles, Simpson, Randall and Charles. That's a name. That boy got a handle. Lucas, Maurice, Hines, where's he? Over there. All right, and then Scarlett Teresa Hines with Brian and Michelle, right there, beautiful one, beautiful. And then 
Tafari, Justice, Gabriel, Carr, Junior. Look at that. Janelia, there she is. She loves being the center of attention. Not at all. So it's our prayer that your child your, would grow with awareness of how much Jesus loves them, of the importance of their life and relationship with Jesus. Um, so I'm just going to ask some questions. I get to do it. And you can just nod your head or give a high five or something that you're, you got it. Do you commit to be parents of a growing personal faith? Did he, everybody did, Shanna? We got them all? Yeah. Do you commit? <laughs> yeah, I know, he high-fived it. That's such a literalist, Dave. Do you commit to modeling the importance of, not just a personal faith, but the importance of Christian community by regular church engagement in, in service re, and relationship? Yeah. So dedication is a serious public declaration of your intent to commit to obey God's word and pass your faith on to the next generation. At the same time, it's also an affirmation that you are not alone in this awesome task. The body of Christ is standing with you. Horizon family, are you willing to do your part alongside these families as Jesus leads to love them, equip them, Pray for them, supporting them as they do th their work to pass on their faith to their children. If you agree to do your part as Jesus leads you, will you say, I will? Awesome. All right, we're going to close out in prayer and, and pray over them as they go. Shanda is, not as you go. Father, can you stretch your hands? It's an ancient form of blessing. Father, we thank you for each and every child here, Lord. We bless them in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that they would come to know you at a very young age. Lord, I pray for each and every parent uh, that you would give them a great wisdom to know what to do and how to do it. Lord, for the individual uh, life that's in front of them, that they would have individual strategies, that there would be individual ideas of how to parent them. Lord, that you give them wisdom beyond their ability. And Lord, also the courage to ask for help when they don't know what to do, Lord. Lord, I pray you would surround their families with your love and protection. Pour out your spirit upon them in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. All right. Okay. There's a. They're going to make. Give them a hand. Oh, whoa, whoa. That's, you're holding it all up. It's a little bit of a tall stare there. All right. You see this suit? Look at that. He's like, what are you doing? You're, I'll give you back. It's all right. Look at that. How cute is that? Want to take another one? No, I'm kidding. All right. Thanks, Ben. It's wonderful. Right, 11, what time is it? Say 11.21. I don't know if you noticed that, but every time I put the stand down, my wife brought it back up. I put it down, she brought it back up. I'm like, you can just wear those glasses you got sitting at home, girl. It's my, I'll pay for that later, don't worry. It's all up to me. 
Hey, before we uh, move along to the next part of our service, just um, just one announcement, which is about groups, if you can throw that one back up, is at horizonfam.ca, as well as out in the lobby. We have all kinds of different groups that you can be a part of. Uh, the, the main purpose is really just to get people together in a world that's uh, so social media connected, we are probably more disconnected than we ever are. It's hard to have an enemy of someone that you sit and do uh, food with, that you sit and do uh, a craft with, that you go out for coffee with, and God just wants to help uh, each of us in our life to protect us and also correct us when we need it and direct us in our life, somebody to pray with us, and, and just have fun. Uh, we have, I think there's a, a photography group there. I think there's a uh, a mums and daughter craft group. Uh, I'm not going out for that one, but um, there's all kinds of different groups. So horizonfam.ca, you can sign up, and they'll, uh, most of them will be open for a while. But just try one out. If you don't like it, if you come to mine and you hate it, that's all right. I'll, I'll forgive you. Uh, give it a whirl and uh, see what happens. All right? Okay. The people that are either related to me or paid by me agreed with me. Come on, people. I'm just teasing. Okay, Matthew chapter 5. We're in a series called Blessed. It's not what you think. Uh, We live in a world that attaches the great importance to what we have, how much we have, uh, what kind of person's on our arm, uh, whether and how successful we are, what position we're in. And Jesus just comes and, and through a series of teachings kind of turns that all on its head, turns it around from what people think it is to what it actually is and expands it a lot. Uh, and we'll put up the first part of that uh, scripture in Matthew chapter 5. We're on week 3 here, so you're kind of coming in. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be, say that word in dark, they will be filled. I was going to say, say the F word, but I, you got to be careful. you got to be careful now. Okay. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will. All right. Good. Nobody be saying the F word. It's in church. Come on. Another translation says, how enriched are you when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. Verse 7, how satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy in a world that is crazy so often. Tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will be open to see more and more of God. So the Beatitudes, this section called the Blessings, or it's a start of Jesus' first sermon, and we're about uh, five verses in, and it's a sermon that Jesus get, gives to, here's the way that I'm going to operate, here's some uh, principles that I'm going to lay down for you and show you another way to live than maybe what you experienced. They lived in a culture that was uh, Roman. It was under the occupation of Rome. They were being, uh, many times would be pulled off the streets. They were minimized and criticized and made to do things that they didn't want to do. And in that context, Jesus says, blessed are you when you give mercy. And in the context of a place that people didn't have enough because they're under the thumb, religious leaders that looked down on anybody that struggled, religious leaders that had high standards that they didn't keep themselves. And into that world, Jesus comes and he says, blessing is not just to the most powerful. Blessing is not just if you have the most money. Blessing is not just if everything in your life is going well. Blessing is not measured by what kind of car you drive. Blessing is not measured by how many friends you have on social media. 
area. Blessing is not measured by how successful your business it is. It could be all of those things, but it's much more than that. Jesus said, I still bless the people that are the outsiders. I still look after the people who are on the margins. I'm still looking for the people who are overlooked. I can bless somebody who's going through hell and doesn't know how to get out. I can bless somebody who's overwhelmed in life. I can bless somebody, come on, that doesn't know where they're going to go in life. Somebody can be blessed. If you haven't noticed, if you're visiting for the very first time, you probably noticed that we're passionate about life. We're passionate about worship. We're passionate about church. If you've been waiting for the time to bow, it's probably not going to happen. And when you bow and get up and all that, that's just relax. Uh, we're a little passionate because we actually believe that Jesus is alive. We actually believe that he still changes lives. We actually believe that he still heals hearts. And so we don't want to live in a theory. We don't want to just have some uh, a little principles to live by, but we're following a Savior. We're not reading a book. We're just not just reading a book. We're following the one who wrote the book and leads us on a journey. I should probably try and get to my notes at some point. See, Jesus' message was a rebuke to the powerful who use their power for their own ends to oppress the poor and the vulnerable. His message was an affront to people who did one thing at church and another thing at home. His message is full of hope to those that felt like outsiders, the ones that struggle to hold it all together, the ones who don't measure up, don't have it all together, haven't figured life out, but are just here. Jesus says, I can bless your life. Despite what you're going through, despite where you came from, no matter what, uh, how bad it's been, I can bless your life far more than what you think is possible. It's not what you think. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word that's quick and powerful. Give us ears to hear. Lord, I pray you would convict us where we need conviction. Lord, that you would encourage us where we need to encourage us. Inspire us to be the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Communication's an interesting thing. You don't understand how bad you are until you get married at communication. Now, my wife and I have different communication styles. If I want to go to the store, I say I want to go to the store. It seems obvious, but also this kind of goes like this in our house. You could be talking about walking the dog one moment. Next, you could be talking about where you want to go to dinner sometime. And then that leads to a conversation about your friend's pet rock com, uh, uh, collection. And then you move from that to talking about an ad that you saw on TV, all of which leads you to the real moral of the story, which is, I want to go get new shoes. <laughs> you got to follow the lines. It's going, but, 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 in order to find out, now I, I used to just wait and not listen until I heard, and this. That's dangerous, man. If you, any of you, let me just tell you. But some, some ladies uh, communicate that way. Some men on my staff communicate like that. I'm trying to figure out where they're going all the time. But when you wait to the end, it seems like it's confusing to you because it is. But they know where they're going, and when, you, when they get to the end of the story, you actually understand what all those connection points meant. But if you grabbed any of those connection points, the part about the dog, and tried to relate it to the shoes, you'd be like, I am really confused right now. And sometimes when we read the teachings of Jesus and you take a piece out of it without connecting it to the whole story, you'll miss out on where he wants to take you. You say, oh, be merciful and you'll get mercy. What? That seems backwards. 
So you look at, and I think sometimes you have to get to the end of, I, I've discovered I have to get to the end of what Shanda's saying to discover what she really is talking about. Sometimes it's just talking so that we can connect. I, I'm learning, come on. But Jesus' sermon is best understood when you understand the end game. And he went and he says at the very end of it in Matthew chapter 7, he preached for two chapters long, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, everyone who hears my teaching and when you see a, a highlighted word, I would like you to say that one, all right? Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. When the rains fell and the flood came with fierce wind beating upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. Next one. Every, but... Everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand. When it rained and rained and the flood came with winds and waves beating upon his house, it collapsed and was swept away. Now look at that. Some people like to tell you that when you come to know Jesus, all your problems are going to be gone and nothing. You will never have a moment of trouble again. Everything's going to be perfect. It's going to just, everything's going to be wonderful. Sunshine and roses, lollipops, and it's all going to be great. But Jesus is actually saying it's quite the opposite. He said, there will be storms that will come. There will be rain that comes on your life and unexpected things that you had no control over that have been visited on your life. There will be earthquakes that shake the very foundation of who you are. And Jesus is saying you can get through those things. And when he talks about there's a blessed life, he's not saying the blessed life is one that's trouble-free, problem-free, and every day is good. He actually is saying that I can help you get through this where some will thrive, but some don't thrive. He's not little some little sermon to help you quote cope and give you a couple, take two of these and call me in the morning and your life's going to be fine. He's actually saying, I want to help you with your life. I want to actually change your life, not just take a moment and give you a Band-Aid for your life, for your pain, but go into the deep part of you and heal you. I want to do something that you can't do with some self-help book, or if you need that, that's great. I'm going to give you something that exercise will never fix. I'm going to go to the deepest part of you so that you can go through the storm that will come, the shaking that will come, the rain that will come, so that you can go through and thrive and not just survive or even be destroyed. See, the alternate is the difference between the two people is one applied it to their life and one didn't apply it to their life. They both heard the same teaching. They both heard the same message. One applied it and saw his life change and be a life that thrived. Another one didn't apply it and saw his life go down, down, down in a way that he never anticipated. See, we, we are flooded with all kinds of things all the time. We're flooded with things in our marriages where we wonder if we will keep going on because of the financial stress we're under. We're flooded with I want to quit this thing that I'm in because the person that you said you would be, you're not for me right now. Our society is being overwhelmed by division and hate where people think it's all right to run people down on the street with a rented van. Our society is pulling apart with hatred on all kinds of social media you, where you cannot any longer disagree with someone without castigating them as a bad and a terrible person. 
Families that are drifting apart under the unrelenting waves of busyness. Trying to put life back together after that long-term relationship blew up. Beginning college and wondering, what the heck am I doing? I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Finishing college and having the same thoughts. You're battling a health issue that hangs over you and you're mocking you. Pressure comes at you from every way and you find yourself considering doing things that you never would have dreamed about at one point in your life. Perhaps you're estranged from your family because the life that you've been living has been so out of order that they say you can't be around us. Maybe you're struggling with your sexuality and wondering, how does this all work? And we have lived with our issues for so long that we believe that our issue is us. But Jesus is giving an invitation to a new life right here. He says in verse 24, and you can put it back on the screen. He says, when you apply these words, you will stand firm because you have a strong foundation. When the rains come, when the flood comes, when the fierce wind comes, you're going to stand firm. Not because you're so smart, but because you begin to apply the word of God in your life. You begin to apply and become who I've called you to be so that you can walk through the water and you won't be drowned. You can walk through the fire and you won't be burned. You can go through hell and you say, I'm going to keep on going because the power of God is within me. He's helping me. He's building a strength in my life to make it through every situation that I'm in. And he, you serve a Jesus who said, I will strengthen you. I will never leave you. I'm going to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to walk with you through the pain. I'm going to take you through to the other side. Who applies it can be compared to a wise man. Stood firm, strong foundation. Jesus made the point, if you want the blessing of my teaching, you have to put things into practice because what you don't change won't change. Sometimes we don't change because really we don't want to change without change. What do you mean, Craig? Say, we, we, we want the benefit of change, but we don't want to change. Elbow your spouse or the person beside you. I think he's talking to you. I'm talking to me. I want the benefit, but I want my situation to change. I want my spouse to change. I want my workplace to change. I want something to change so that I can move it through and get to the other side solid and firm. But that's not real life. New strength and new stability. See, Jesus wants to change your instability to stability. He wants to change your weakness to strength. He wants to change that place where you've been unstable to a strong foundation. And so how can you do it? You have to change. Because until you change, nothing changes. Until you change, nothing changes. Until I change, my life isn't going to change. But how does that happen? The first thing that he addresses here, he says, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Another one says, you'll be surrounded by fruitfulness. That's what we want with our life, to to get through life and find out, man, I'm so grateful for the good things that have happened in my life. My life is more fruitful than I ever dreamed it would be possible. I see I've been through, through different situations, and I've come through, and God has put me back together. Be fruitful. Change the purpose I'm pursuing. He says, if you hunger for something different than you've currently been hungering and filling yourself with, you can change your life. 
change the purpose that I'm pursuing. If I wanted to get better, I need to change. Jesus said, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Old ways will not open new doors for you. Old ways of coping, old ways of doing things. If you want your life to look like that, where there's a fruitfulness to it, where there's a strength to it, where there's a stability to it, you have to embrace change. In our Western culture, we lose so much of the impact of this, uh, this phrase, hunger and thirst. See, in that world, we are in our world today, most of us in this room, some have, but most of us have never really experienced what hunger is. We don't understand it. When Jesus was speaking to that culture, he was speaking to a culture that literally had meat often only once a week because that's all they could have, have some beans, maybe have some rice, have, bean, have that once a week, and then they were one disaster away from starving. And also with thirst in that area of the world, and at that time, nobody could turn on a, on a tap and get some ice cold water. They would have to go to a well, or if they're traveling and a sandstorm come, they, all they could do is wrap their head up and put their back to the wind, and the sand would blow and blow and blow. And by the time it was all finished, they were overwhelmingly thirsty. And when Jesus says this, he's saying, there needs to be a drive within you to change the pur purpose that I'm pursuing because oh, I can kind of follow God or I can kind of change my life, will not change your life. He says you need to, there needs to be a hunger in you. There needs to be a thirst in you like somebody who says, if I don't get some food, I'm going to starve to death. If I don't get some water, I'm going to die of thirst. There's a desperation that comes on them because I've got, my life has got to be changed. I've got to see something new in my life. I'm not just going to settle in to make it through the storm. I want to come through so that I've got something to show for my life. Complacency is captivity. The urgency that Jesus is trying to communicate, if you want your life for, to be fruitful, you got to dig in and pursue him, pursue his ways. Are you willing to change what you're chasing to see your life change? Some of us are chasing money. And it's not satisfying. Some of us are hoping that a new promotion will satisfy us, and it won't. Some of us are hoping. It might for a little while, but it won't ultimately satisfy you. Some of us are hoping that uh, we'll, our sexuality will, if I can just have everything the way I want, that then everything will be back in order and it'll be good. It won't satisfy you. Because what Jesus is saying, until you put me in the first place, everything in your life is going to be in disorder. You're going to kind of try and cope, and you will get might get through. But when the wind comes and the rain comes and everything isn't just to your liking, there's going to be a shaking that happens. But Jesus says, if you take my words and apply them to your life, I can actually help you to get through transformed, changed, different, more fruitful than you ever thought possible. What you feed is what will lead. What you feed your life with is what you will lead, what will lead your life. When we start, and, or we begin to hunger a little bit more for righteousness, let's start to live a little bit more desperately. Stop pursuing pornography to deal with your lust. Stop pursuing bitterness to cope with our pain. Stop pursuing immorality to attempt to fill our loneliness. Stop pursuing money that's costing you your family and your relationships. 
and start pursuing right ways. Start getting desperate for Jesus. Start, per, start pursuing a lifestyle of confession and repentance and saying, I need to open up my life. I need the people around me. Start putting myself in the presence of Jesus. This is how I fight my battles. When I'm going through it, that's what I do. I put some worship music on and I sing. It might not be very good, but I know that when I begin to sing, Jesus begins to fight for me. He begins to make a way for me. He begins to take me through and suddenly things begin to clear up and I can begin to move on. Because there are days when I don't feel anything but lonely and sad. There are days when I'm discouraged. There are days when I, I'm anxious and I wake up and then I have to decide how am I going to make it through. I'm going to put the word of God. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to apply it and I'm going to see a stability and strength to come into me because it's not by my might. It's not by my power, but it's by the spirit of the Lord working in me. You see, we're not just here to help our minds. We're here to engage with heaven and invite heaven to help us in our everyday to bring heaven to earth to help me because if it was just about knowing a little bit more information, our world will be fixed. There has never been a time in humanity that has had more information that we don't know what to do with. There has never been a time with more information that divides us. But Jesus came and said, I want to come and bring life to you. I want to come and help you with some wisdom to put your life together. Because if you will change the purpose you're pursuing, I'm going to bring new strength and new stability to you. Hmm. Change. Change the processing of pain. The processing of the pain. You know why you have to be merciful? Because somebody did something to you. There's really two times to be merciful. It's one time is when someone's done something to you. To you. The other time is when you see somebody in a difficult spot, when you see the drug addict on the street, and, you, and how do you respond to them? Do you respond to them or look at them with eyes of mercy or eyes of condemnation? When you see the hooker on the corner, do you look with eyes of mercy or eyes of condemnation? When you see the person, the neighbor across the street that bothers you because their dog does this stuff on your lawn, do you see with eyes of mercy or eyes of condemnation? And Jesus is saying, change the processing of your pain and you will see new strength and and new stability come into your life. Because this word, uh, when we don't have mercy, see what happens? The pain in the world, it starts to harden you because you can't handle it. The pain in your world, if you don't deal with that properly, it will cripple you and cause you to bottle up who you are. The Greek word for this word merciful is, comes from another word. And it doesn't simply mean to feel sorry. The world has all kinds of pity and not a lot of change. But this word, it talks about a sympathy. It means literally, this is the word picture, the ability to get right inside someone until we see things with their eyes, till we feel things with their heart, till we think things that they think, so we begin to feel with their feelings. So it, it's far more than a sympathy. It's actually saying, I've got to come, a deliberate effort of my mind, a deliberate effort of my will to understand the pain of the other person, to understand what they're going through. Because all, But most of us don't want to do that. We want to focus on, I've been wronged, I've been hurt, I've been, all the things that have been done to me, hey, 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 hey. And our world just gets in a cycle of who did what and why. But we can step into and put a spoke in the wheels and stop the movement of, of hatred in our world by being people of mercy. Because what a person of mercy says, they begin to understand the person. They begin to see things. Ah, that's why you are the way you are. I understand a little bit more. I heard your story. 
It's easy to judge somebody from behind a keyboard. It's easy to slander somebody with a little text. But in our world today, Jesus calls us to be people that will bring people together and be people with huge loads of mercy. I worked for a while in a private social service sector, kids who were either on their way into jail or on their way out of jail. And there were, I met this 14-year-old boy, and he was in because he had burned down his house on purpose, arson. And I was like, what a dumb kid, first time I met him. Then I started to hear his story. I started to hear his story filled with so much pain of a little boy at six and seven years old that had been sexually abused multiple times. Started to hear a story of a boy who had watched his mom be beat. Started to hear the story of somebody who had multiple times not enough to eat. And I began to have a little bit more mercy for him. It's easy to judge somebody when you don't know the story. And it also helps you when you see things from someone's perspective to forgive a little quicker. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make what was done to you right. But you begin to understand a little more clearly of where they're coming from. And you can release forgiveness. In fact, in Ephesians 4, in chapter, chapter 4 and verse 32, it says, Forgive one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Sometimes we're on the place where we need to receive mercy because we do something that's stupid or we say something or we're in a tough spot. Sometimes we need to be the one who's given mercy. Whatever it is, let's just be people who change the processing of our pain to allow God to come and touch our life and allow God to come in and do what only he can do and begin to heal you from the inside and do something so you can say, I'm getting stronger, Pastor. There's a new strength. There's a new stability coming in me. There's not a hardness on my heart. I see the pain of the world, and I'm letting it touch my heart so that I can look at people with more compassion and more mercy and less judgment. No one has ever been judged into change. But millions and millions of people have been loved into change. Jesus said, you will be wrong. You will live among people that are ravaged and marred by sin, reacting out of their pain. You're going to be blessed in that. What are you talking about? I'm going to do such a work in you that you will be one that will give mercy that's not deserved, that's not earned. He's saying, you know yourself that you've been eating grace from me and other, I'm giving it to you. And as I've given it to you, as you receive mercy, just keep it flowing through your life. One day when you stand before me, as you've asked me for forgiveness, you're going to stand before me and I'm going to see you face to face and I'm going to welcome you into my kingdom and everything, all justice is going to be taken care of. Everything, I'm going to wipe away tears from your eyes. I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to bring everything into final order. Change what I'm pursuing change the processing of my pain, and change the perspective of your path. The pure in heart, Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When I first read that, I'm like, I'm out. Pure in heart, that's not me. Pure in heart, because that, that word means no mixture, none. Jesus is going after not just our activity, but now he's going after our heart and our motives. Pure in heart. Some of us settle for partial purity, where we look good on the outside and all our activity is good, but inside there's all kinds of 
hardness and nastiness going on. That's partial. Some are on the other extreme where they're like the life of the party. Their life is all out of order, but they'll be there for you when, they, when you need them. That's also partial purity. Jesus is saying, let your inside life and your outside life Let's begin to line them up, and let me begin to work on you from the inside out. He said, blessed, another way you could translate this, blessed are those whose motives are entirely unmixed, for they will see God. They will see God move in their life. They'll experience the presence of God in their life. To examine your own motives is one of the most difficult things you can do, because let me tell you this, is that most of us lie to ourselves about our motives. We think everybody else's motives that does something to us are bad, and all our motives is just somebody taking us wrong. Yeah, okay. First Corinthians 1 and 30 says, God, Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. It starts with Jesus. And then it goes on, though. It doesn't stop there. And everyone who has the hope of Jesus in them, in 1 John 3, says, purifies themselves purify themselves. You see, because of the pain we've experienced, because it's affected the purity and the softness of our heart and our perspective, even when you're forgiven, there's still a perspective that needs to shift. Everything that you are doing, everything that you have done has flowed out of a belief structure in your heart. And until that's fixed, you're always fighting a losing battle. Because out of the overflow of your heart is where you act. Out of the overflow of your heart is where you speak. Out of the overflow of your heart is how you treat your spouse. Out of the overflow of your heart is how you view your sexuality. Over the overflow of your heart is how you deal with the issues at work. It's all coming out of the heart. And we're trying to stop my anger. I'm trying to stop this. I'm trying to stop that and stop that and stop that. But Jesus wants to go deeper into the very essence of who you are and say, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you if you'll let me. Because perhaps you're struggling with open up because deep down you believe that you won't be accepted if, some, if you re, people really knew who you were. Maybe you're struggling with anger because deep down you believe that God abandoned you in that situation and your heart is still filled with pain and anger towards God. Maybe you're struggling with workaholism because deep down you believe that no one, least of all God, will be there for you. So you've got to fight and claw and pull yourself up by your bootstraps, even if it costs you your marriage, even if it costs you your kids, even if it costs you everything, because you really are being driven from the inside. Without exception, every one that Jesus went through, every one of the people that in the Bible, sorry, Without exception, every person that was used mightily by God in the Bible went through some incredibly difficult things. Not because they were bad people, but because they were so incredibly anointed and called by God that he had to take them through something so that he could purify their heart so that when the, the, the promotion was given to them, they would handle it well. When the, when the call or the purpose of their life was begun to be realized that they would treat people well, that they would not be discouraged, they will not be not discouraged, they will not be pulled aside this way or that way, but God can begin to burn off all the things, our mindsets, our ways of looking at life, things that blind our vision, that rob us of our fruitfulness, that destroy our destiny. But God loves us so much that he will allow us and sometimes even take us through difficult things to purify our heart. Because when God begins to purify our heart, things begin to change. Our pathway begins to change. It doesn't always happen in an instant. It actually more often happens in a process. 
It's like this in Proverbs 4 and 18. It says, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, the people who are pure in heart, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. I'm getting stronger. See, it speaks to something that of our life. is Life change starts with a decision. It says, it's like the morning sun. It has a beginning point. That's when you give your life to Jesus. And then it says, and it shines ever brighter. It's like the first gleam of the dawn. There's a small, almost imperceptible change. And we might wish, wish that it would come faster, but the first gleam of dawn brings the anticipation of a brighter day. The first gleam of dawn begins to cause hope to arise within us. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. I'm, I'm, I'm not arrived yet. It's God who's working in me. Because of Jesus, we, we progressively move forward here a little and there a little. He's changing me to be like him. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm better than I used to be. I'm not, I have not arrived, but Jesus is working in me. You know, the, it, it's getting a little brighter in my pathway. I'm moving forward in a little bit more. Yesterday, I cursed 15 times maybe, but today it's only been 10. It's getting brighter. Some of you should have said amen. Come on. Yeah. Those of you who were saying the F word earlier, yeah, yeah, that's you. Okay. <laughs> I hope the worship team is coming, but maybe not. Six months ago, maybe you lied when you had no reason. Now you only lie once in a while. It's getting brighter. I was so anxious maybe that you couldn't leave the house, but now you've, you're getting out twice a week, and it's getting brighter in your life because Jesus is beginning to work in your heart and begin to help you from the inside out. Maybe you were drinking too much every day, but now it only happens once in a while. It's getting brighter. There is a progress in your path. God is moving you forward. It's getting I was, maybe you were in such deep bitterness in your heart where now you're beginning to see signs of, of softness emerging in your heart. It's getting brighter. I had such a full, so full of pain that I couldn't stop pushing people away. Now I'm actually going on a date. It's getting brighter. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more fruitful. I'm thriving. The pure in heart will see God. They will see God move in their life in a way that they only could ever dream about because they're allowing Jesus to deal with the inner issues of their heart, to go after the pain, to go after the self-cursing, to go after the shame, to go after the, the lies that you believe about yourself that are simply not true. When you hear the word of the Lord over your life that before you were born, I knew you while you were in your mother's womb, I set you apart for an incredible purpose. While you were a sinner and far from me, I loved you. Even right now, when you're a foe, you're against me, Jesus says, I love you. My grace is more than you can think. Yeah, you've done this, this, that. Hey, you're not far off. God is not far off from you. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And he says, will you trust me with your life? How's it been going so far? Because the storm has come. It will come in your life at some point. Maybe you're in the middle of it right now and you're wondering how you're going to get through. Maybe the rain is beating against what you th thought your life would be and you're saying, how can I move forward? Jesus, change the purpose that I'm pursuing. Jesus, help me to change the processing of my pain. Jesus, help me to change the perspective of my path. That God, that you are working. You are not done. You're taking me farther than I ever could do. So let me not get discouraged it's just getting, it's just a little light right now. I've just started, and I don't know how I'm going to just take another step in Jesus. It's going to fight my battle, and I'm going to, 
I'm going to pray over things and I'm going to get people around my life. I'm going to get involved in a group because groups are the people who help me move forward in my life. I'm going to keep moving forward and it's going to get a little brighter where, where, where Jesus just helps me take another step further. But you have to decide, will I trust God with my life? Ultimately, it comes down to, do you believe that Jesus is who he said he is? Because he has more than just a good teacher. You see, a good teacher will give you some things and tell you what to do. But Jesus is more than a good teacher. He's the Son of God. And he died, was buried, and rose again. And the Bible says that he brings life to our dead things. He brings life to our mortal bodies, our places that are dying. Jesus' resurrection power can come and literally alter the destiny and direction of your life. He can heal the pain that is this, this crippling and heartening you. He can change your perspective and begin to take you, as the Bible says, from glory to glory. From uh, He's changing you one day, here a little, there a little. That's the power of a person, and his name is Jesus. And I invite you to stand to your feet. I invite you to close your eyes, bow your head, just to give privacy to the people around you. We're getting stronger. But first, if you don't know Jesus, or maybe you've been estranged from Jesus, maybe you've walked away from Jesus, you once followed him, but because of the situation of life, maybe who knows why you're in the place that you're in right now, but you know that you need Jesus in to be the forgiver and leader of your life. It starts with a decision, like the sun rising in the morning. It starts with a decision, a point where you say, Jesus, self-help has only helped me to a measure. A better diet has only helped me to a measure. Therapy has only helped me to a measure. All those things could be great. But I need my life to thrive. I need my eternity to be settled. I need you, Jesus. Say, I need you, Jesus, to be the forgiver of my sin, to reconcile me to God. If you're here this morning and you know that you've never made Jesus the forgiver and leader of your life with your eyes closed to give privacy to the people around you, it's a personal decision. begins with a personal decision. If you've never made Jesus the forgiver and leader of your life or, or you want to say, Pastor, I, I've been away and I, I need to get right with God right now. And I'm, then I'll pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come up the front. I'm not going to like highlight you or put a light on you or anything like that. It'll be you and me and God in a moment. So I'm going to look on my left, your right. If that's you, just put your hand up. You say, today's my day to give my life, surrender my life to Jesus and begin a journey. Yes. Down Main Street, right down the middle. Yes. If that's you, just keep your hand up just for a moment. We just want to make sure we pray with you. On my right, your left. Anyone here? Say, today is my day. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to surrender my life to him. Anyone here? My right, your left. All right, yes. So I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to ask everyone to pray with me. And if you pray that, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're saved. You're, you begin a journey. You, you are saved, and then you begin this journey of having a brand new life. So I invite you to pray with me and those three people there as well. But everybody, let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you are the forgiver. You are the healer. You are the restorer. I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive my sin. 
I invite you to be my leader and the forgiver of my life. I welcome you into my life. If you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart, the Bible says you can pass from death to life. You pass from one kingdom into another kingdom. The great thing, the great thing is, the Bible also says that all heaven's rejoicing right now for somebody who was far from God has found their way to God. You were an orphan. You have a family. You're a citizen of heaven. One more, we're going to get I'll let the rest of us respond. Just bow your heads real quick. If you're a Christ follower, I just want to ask you, are you ready to trust again? Do you need to say, Pastor, I need to see the change in what I've been pursuing, the intensity or what I've been pursuing? Just throw your hand up real quick. Come on. Come on. Don't wait for somebody else. I need to change the intensity, the hunger level, the desperation level, because the world needs me to be who God's called me to be, all over the room, hands. Maybe you're one who says, Pastor, I need, to, I need the help of Jesus to process some pain a little better. I need the help of Jesus. If that's you, just throw up your hand. Say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus' help to process some pain. Yes, hands, hands. Yes, yes, yes. Or maybe you're here and you say, I need to change a perspective. I've been discouraged because I haven't moved as fast as I thought I would move, but I realize that I'm on a journey and I need Jesus' help and a shift in my perspective. If that's you, just lift your hand real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lord Jesus, right now, Lord, you saw the hands, you know the needs of the heart, Lord, better than I ever could. You know the answers better than I ever could. But Lord, I thank you that every journey with you you take us through. So, Lord, I pray that every hand that was went up, Lord, that together right now, Lord, we bind the work of the enemy in lives, Lord Jesus. Spirits of discouragement, spirits that lie about identity, spirits that lie about worth and value. Lord, and I release, Lord, the mercy of heaven. Lord, let the mercy of heaven just flow over, Lord. Not what we deserve, Lord, but we so desperately need mercy, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for people who are making decisions to change their pathway, they, what they pursue, Lord, that maybe as they find a group or they join, grow, Lord, that you help them with that. But Lord, wherever we're at, we just say we need you. We need you, Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.